Welcome to the night to be much observed, an evening that is rich in meaning and significance for us today. Last evening, we partook of a small piece of bread that symbolized the broken body of Jesus Christ, and also a very tiny glass of wine that symbolized his shed blood, the new covenant in his blood. And yet, when we look on a calendar today, we see that today is called the Passover, at least on many calendars, Roman calendars, and we know that many of the Jews are celebrating the Passover this evening. And so the question comes up as to why we observe the Passover seemingly a day early, and what is it that we're doing this evening? Why are we here? And that's what I'm going to explain to you this evening, is why we are here. What is the significance of this occasion? In the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, we could review that a little bit because this is where they had come to the 10th plague. And God instructed Moses to instruct the leaders of the people to go out and take a lamb on the 10th day of the first month to sacrifice that lamb on the 14th day at twilight and to eat that lamb that evening because that would be the time when the death angel, as we sometimes refer to it, would pass over the children of Israel. We'll pick up the story in verse 21, where he is instructing the people. It says, Then Moses uh, called for all the elders of the church and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Now, the word morning is a very specific Hebrew term, boker. And it is always used in the sense of the breaking of day. There's not a single case in all of the Old Testament where boker indicated the middle of the night. When we say morning today, we may mean 12.01 a.m. or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., But the term boker meant that it was the breaking of day. It could be very early in the morning where maybe just dawn is beginning to appear. In the case of Ruth, you could read the story of Ruth there and remember that when she went to Boaz in the middle of the night, he said, stay until morning. That was stay until boker. And then she left while it was still dark enough that you could not discern one person from another but it was beginning to get light. There was no reason for her to wait till morning if uh, it was a situation where she just wanted to, where he wanted to keep her incognito in that way. There was a reason for her to leave when it started to get light because of the safety factor. And yet uh, it was still at the time when it was beginning to get light, but not totally dark. So whenever we read of the word uh, boker or morning in the Old Testament, it means at that time when it is getting light, not in the middle of the night. Now, notice that Moses was diligent to instruct the Israelites not to leave until that time. And then it says here in Exodus, the 12th chapter, verse 29, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock, So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. In fact, 
there may have been several dead in a house because the husband could be the firstborn, the wife could be the firstborn, they had a firstborn child, and then they may have had a dog or a cat, perhaps. Uh, we don't know about that, but they might have, and the firstborn of the, uh, the animals died as well. And so there was at least one dead in every household, as it were. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise and go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. And go, serve the Eternal as you have said. And take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We shall all be dead. Many assume, erroneously, that Moses and Aaron then met with Pharaoh in the middle of the night because it said uh, he rose and called for them. And yet, when we read the 10th chapter of Exodus, in verse 28, right at the end of the ninth plague, we see that Moses and Pharaoh met at that time. And in verse 28, it says, Then Pharaoh said to him, said to Moses, Get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. He was fed up with Moses. He was angry. He says, For in the day that you see my face, you shall die. Now, this could have been something that Pharaoh would have repented of later on. But notice what it says in verse 29. Moses said, you have spoken well, I will never see your face again, at least not in this life. And so very clearly it was shown there that Moses and Pharaoh would not meet again. And we have the word of Moses who recorded this, and he would have obviously made some sort of clarification if that was changed in any way, shape, or form. So we find that while he called for them, they sent the message out, Moses and Aaron would have kept God's command to stay in their houses until Boker, until morning. Now, as they came to the morning, uh, the death of the firstborn had occurred. Uh, the Israelites had a number of tasks to complete before they left Egypt. As we've already said, they had to stay in their houses until morning, but also they had to burn the remains of the lambs that were left over. Now, the lambs were to be roasted whole with the entrails and everything. It was a, a whole roasted lamb. We don't normally think of that today as the way we would do things, but that was the specific instruction that God gave to Israel. And so when it got to morning, when it started to break of day, they had to take the remains of the lambs, the bones and the entrails, and the head, whatever was left over, they had to burn that. Now, as any of you know who have tried to burn unleavened bread after the Passover, if you don't have a wood stove or a fireplace, it takes more than just a minute or so. You have to get everything out. You've got to, I used to take some lighter fluid or something and pour on it in a little can or whatever, but it takes a little bit of time to burn, not an hour or anything like that, but it does take a few minutes. And when you start trying to burn a lamb, what's left over, the bones and the entrails and the head, whatever is left over there, that would take more than just a few minutes. It might not take hours, but it's going to take a little bit of time. 
Then they also had to spoil the Egyptians. Notice what it says in verse 34. And I'm going to read from the King James Version, the old King James, because it's really more accurate on this particular uh, section of, of Scripture. The, the newer translations try to make it sound as though they had already spoiled the Egyptians. But the Egyptians were not in a mood to be spoiled until their firstborn had died. Now they are ready to say, whatever you want, just get out of here and take what you want and so forth. So the old King James says, and the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. So they had to do that on the daylight portion of this uh, Passover uh, occasion. Uh, remember, the Passover was from sunset to sunset. So during the daylight portion of the Passover, they had to burn what was remaining. Then they had to spoil the Egyptians. And then they had one more task that they had to do in addition to packing up. And you know how it is when you're packing up for the feast or other occasions. It seems to take longer than you, you plan or you hope that it will take. But there was one more task, and that was that they had to get to a place called Ramses. Because, you see, the exodus did not begin, as most people think, when they walked out of the front door of their house. The exodus began at Ramses. And we're told that when they got to Ramses, that they left Egypt in orderly ranks. As it says here in Exodus 13 and verse 18, it says, the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Now, we don't know exactly how large the uh, land of Goshen was at that time. Unger's Bible Dictionary says that the land of Goshen stretched for 30 to 40 miles. Now, the fact that it says 30 to 40 would indicate that uh, that's a guess. That's an estimate. We don't really know. But let's take the short side of that. Let's say that it was 30 miles in length, and it was perhaps narrower. So if Ramses were in the middle, which we don't know that it was in the middle, but if Ramses were in the middle, that means that some of those on the far extremes would have had about 15 miles to travel. And even traveling two miles an hour with the children, with the flocks and so forth, uh, that would be a good average, about two miles an hour. You can do the math on that. And uh, that's going to be about seven and a half hours that it would take them to get to Ramses before they left. So they had to get there, and they had to uh, be ready at that time to leave. Now we come to this particular evening. In Exodus, the 12th chapter, and verse 37, it says, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. You see, that's where they began. About 600,000 men on foot besides children. And a mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt. And it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. 
And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the eternal went out from the land of Egypt. And here we are. It says, it is a night of solemn observance to the eternal for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the eternal, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. So this was the beginning of their journey out of Egypt, out of this land of bondage. Now, again, we know that there are those who keep the Passover tonight. They're keeping the Passover as we are observing the night to be observed. But to show that these are two separate occasions, we might notice in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, and verse 5, it says, On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So we have the Passover, which pictures the death of the firstborn, which reminds us for us today under the new covenant that Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God, gave his life in exchange for ours. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread pictures our response to that sacrifice. And our response is that we have to get up and leave Egypt. The children of Israel would never have gotten out of sin, out of bondage, out of Egypt if they just sat there after the Passover. The Passover had to take place. That's the beginning of God's plan of salvation for us. But a very important part of it is that we must do, we must respond to that sacrifice by repenting of sin, by coming out of Egypt, by coming out of this world. In Numbers, the 33rd chapter, and verse 1, it says, These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Eternal. And these are the journeys according to their starting points. Notice that they didn't begin at the front door. They began the Exodus from where? It says they departed from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. Notice on the day after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. And so we have really two occasions here. We have the first one, which is the Passover, which we celebrated last night with the new covenant significance to it, that Jesus Christ is the true Lamb of God. That physical lamb that they killed back then really was only a type. Uh, it was very important because they didn't do it, then their firstborn would have died. But all that was done for us to show us of the true Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would give his life in exchange for ours, who would allow his body to be beaten so that we could have our physical and spiritual sicknesses uh, put upon him. But this particular evening shows our response to that sacrifice, the beginning of our journey out of sin. Let's notice over in the New Testament, in the book of First Corinthians, the fifth chapter, 
very clearly the Apostle Paul is referring to the Passover and unleavened bread in this passage. He says, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. This is verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 5. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And notice he says, because Christ was sacrificed for us, we must respond to that. Verse 8, therefore, therefore, because he's been sacrificed for us, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so this evening pictures the beginning of our response to that sacrifice, the beginning of our coming out of sin. The Church of God has historically observed this in more than one way. The meaning has always been the same. But I remember in the very first years that I attended Ambassador College back in the middle 60s that we all kept the day of unleavened, the first day of unleavened bread, the night to be much observed together collectively with a giant potluck with a couple thousand people, literally. And it was uh, quite an organizational task, but it worked very smoothly. But we couldn't even see the speaker. Someone would get up on the steps of the uh, gymnasium, on the outside of the gymnasium, and they had loudspeakers there, and he would give a short message of about 20 minutes. And we were snaked around the, the gymnasium, crowded around there, and we could hear the message. And then afterward, we'd go to the tennis courts, and we would all have the night-to-be-much-observed meal together as a giant potluck. But as the church got large in that way, Mr. Armstrong saw about 1969 that it was time to change things, and so we began to keep them in homes. And two or three or four families might get together in a home, and they would observe this occasion with a special meal. The message was then given on the Sabbath prior to the night to be much observed because uh, very clearly, we did not want just everybody getting up and speaking about the meaning of the occasion. And so uh, we had a, a sermonette on the Sabbath and then the meal on the night to be observed. Unfortunately, over a period of time, I think that much of the meaning of the day got lost because between the time that it was given, the message on the Sabbath, and the time the evening came, people tended to forget the significance of why they were there. And some people even thought that they really didn't need to be there. And it was like an optional occasion. I've been invited to dinner. I can turn down the invitation. And yet God tells us that this is a night of solemn observance, a very important occasion. And it's a very joyous occasion. I hope that all of you are uh, uh, very anxious to partake of the rest of this evening, the meal that has been provided by the ladies or whoever it is. In some cases, you'll be meeting in homes. Other times, uh, people might have a, a rented hall. And with our smaller churches, we might have the whole church together, either in a home or a rented hall or perhaps in a private room of a restaurant. Uh, where some people may be meeting. But it is time to begin that meal, and it's time to, uh, uh, to think about the meaning of this occasion. So I hope that our conversation will be about our coming out of sin. What was it like? What are some of the interesting stories of the people who are sitting around you about how they came out of sin, how that was the beginning of their journey out of this world? And I think that as we get to know each other, we'll find that there are some very interesting stories we could hear from one another in that way. So at this time, the individual who is hosting or someone that he or she has appointed 
I should call on somebody to give a prayer of thanks for this special meal that we have and this special occasion. And uh, if it's only ladies, I suppose one of the ladies could do that, but generally we would have the, the men uh, take the lead in this way. So at this time, we'll have the uh, prayer, the giving of thanks for the meal, and we'll continue with the night to be much observed.